So uh, the way I see this is like this, dangerous prayers. Prayer isn't dangerous, but it can be because God might actually give you the thing you're asking for. And hopefully it's what he wants. <laughs> you know, hopefully, that what I mean is, hopefully the thing you're asking for is what he wants, because then you'll get it. And so last week we prayed for what? Does anybody remember? Boldness. boldness. Thank you. Boldness. We said, God, make me bold. And this week we want to pray, uh, which is an incredible counterpart to boldness, is God, make me obedient. So question, did anybody pray for boldness this week? You? Oh, good. That's great. Did, he, did you do it, or do you need the obedient part? <laughs> Isn't that crazy how that works? God, you made me bold, but it turns out I need to be obedient. So in order to be bold, I got to be obedient. In order to be obedient, I got to be bold. Hey, look at that. We could spin this thing all day, and we might, but I got a second service to get to. So natural's next step after praying for boldness is, Lord, make me obedient, because if you want to be bold, then you better be obedient. The story of the Bible is a story of obedience. The story of church history is a story of obedience. The story of, uh, of churches, of Keystone, is a story of obedience. We sent a church to Keystone North. That's obedient. We didn't come up with that. We said we want to be bold. We want to be obedient. And here's what I know. None of you needed me to tell you that the story of the Bible is a story of obedience. Am I right? I know I'm right. You didn't need me to tell you that. Nobody needed to tell you that God wants you to obey him. If you've been in church for more than a minute, you could probably put that part together on your own. But we often don't pray for obedience because we either think we already are being obedient or we just, I don't know, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. And so did you ever wonder... Maybe you have. Did you ever wonder, like, what, what happens when I am obedient? What happens when I obey God? What happens when God makes me bold, and then I ask for obedience, and he makes me obedient? In fact, it's, it's a fill-in. What happens, or what would happen, if I obeyed God? What would happen? There's a great story in Acts 5, which is a counter story, or, or the next story after Acts 4, not just numerically, but it actually, the, the story from last week progresses into this week in a very great way. Acts 5, we'll probably pick up around verse 17 and start to look at this question of what happens when I obey God? What would happen? Is it worth it? Should I do it? Should I go for it? Should I, am I bold enough to be obedient? Because, you know, we got Peter and John, kind of the stars of this little story. You remember Peter and John from last week? Peter the rock, John, son of thunder, but also the one whom Jesus loved the most, which is a self-given title. And, and they were preaching, and they were preaching Jesus, and they were healing people, and miracles were happening around them. And did it all work out for them? No. They keep getting thrown in where? Jail, prison. Today we'll see they're thrown in the public jail, right? A whole new type of jail for them. And, and so what we do see, though, is that God in a very quick manner is at work in Peter and John's life. And I'm convinced that God is still at work in every single one of our lives. And I read this guy that many of you guys love named uh, Tony Evans. If you don't love him, you should. Tony Evans said this, unfortunately, I love it when a sentence starts out with unfortunately. That's good. <laughs> 
Dr. Evans says, unfortunately, when God starts working, the devil does too. Yeah. I don't know Tony Evans, but only Tony can say things like that. I'm telling you, man, that's good. Then fortunately, when God starts working, the devil does too. The early church, they stayed obedient to God. They stayed obedient to what God called them to do. And we begin to see a pattern of what happens when you obey God. And I'm going to show you that pattern today. There's probably other things, but I don't have all day, so I tried to narrow it down. So what happens when I obey God? The first one, I'm starting with the good news. You ready? The first one is this. Opposition. I don't remember them. I'll just read it off my notes. Opposition is typical. You like that? Opposition is typical. Let's work on obedience right now. What typically happens? Opposition. Acts 5, 17 says this. The high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them where? Public prison. A whole new type of prison they get to go to now. If you're keeping track, this is the second time in a very short period of time that these guys have been thrown in jail. Yet, they're obedient. Some of you may read this and maybe have experienced obedience in your life. And and what three words do we often say when something happens that you don't think should happen? That's not what? Fair. That's not fair. You're right. It's not. Get over it. I don't know, I don't have anything for you, right? That's not fair. You may even be thinking like, Peter and John, they obeyed. They're obeying God. They're doing what they were told to do, and yet they get thrown in jail. In fact, they're doing exactly what God told them to do, and they get punished for it. That's not fair. You ever feel like that? Church, do you ever feel like it's not fair? Do you ever feel like, hey, God, do you ever ever get mad at God and say, God, I am obeying you. I go to church every week. I tithe. I I give a tithe. I'm generous. I got that generous heart the guy up front talks about all the time. I got that, right? I got that. And, and, And every time I do, bad things keep happening. I'm with you. I'm with you. But here's what I know. When you begin to obey the things that God has for you, opposition is typical. Here's the way I wish it would work out. I, and I mean this. I, I, I truly mean this. I'm, I wish, if I could have a wish, this might be it, right? I wish that when you obeyed God, that life got easier, that, that you never had financial difficulty, that you could eat what you want. Uh, I threw that one in there. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to wish for something, right? <laughs> yeah, that the stuff that's bad for you is good for you. I wish that was the way it was. But it's not. It's not how it is. Where did bold obedience get Peter and John? Jail. Got them in jail. What typically happens when I obey? Opposition. Opposition. Here's the most clear and concise way I, can, I read. I read this years ago. The guy said it like this. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, you're not ready to be used by God. I'm going to read that again. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, you're not ready to be used by God. I found that true in my life. Have you found that true in your life? When I'm finally ready to face some opposition, 
then I'm, I'm probably ready to be used by God. I found that just about every time I take a big swing, some sort of opposition happens. And I don't mean just people don't agree with you. I mean like opposition. I remember when we were planting the church in Fort Washington for the first months before we even had, my wife kept getting sick for no reason. Couldn't figure that out. I think we did figure it out. Opposition. Devil attacked my family. That's why I want to say, hey, let's continue to pray for Keystone North. Just because we sent them doesn't mean they're gone. Because they're going to be attacked right now. Because they do something new. Where they're being obedient. We are being obedient. So you better just, I don't mean go into isolation, but I do mean go into your prayer rooms and pray for them on the regular. Because they will face opposition like they have never faced in their life. And it's very sneaky. It's very tricky. I've come to expect pushback, but I know that the one pushing me is bigger than the one pushing me back. What opposition is standing in your way today? Well, if you prayed for boldness last week and obedience this week, what opposition do you expect to get when you do those things? Because you can pretty much guarantee you'll get some. It's typical. Remember, Tony Evans, remember? Unfortunately, when God starts working, the devil does too. Some of you, I get it, man. You're like right on the edge. You're 49% in. You are, aren't you? You're like, I'm 49% in. 49 and a half. 50 maybe, right? 51? No, because then I know what happens, right? I know what happens. But, but there's something keeping you back from being obedient to God's call on your life. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your finance. I don't know. Maybe you think, I got to get my finance straight, then I'll be obedient. I don't know. I don't know what it could be. Maybe, maybe you've been watching church online. Maybe you're all one of these awesome church online viewers, and you're like, man, oh, man, I would love to come and visit that church in person, but I don't, I'm not going to know anybody there, and they're not going to know me, so I'm, I'm afraid to come. Can we, just, can we just say, that's just not true. We would love to see you. Come on in. You can, you can even come. Seven, you don't even have to be 50% sure. Just come. Just come. But whatever it is, God is calling you to something, maybe into a CG, and you're like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm 49% sure God wants me to do that, but I'm just not sure. Maybe that's you, right? You've been, maybe you've even been hearing the, the, you've been watching online or coming in person, and you've been hearing like, like you know, how to become a Christian, and you're like 49% sure that you should do that. But you're just not sure you want to be obedient to the call that God has on your life to give everything to him. It's a big step, so I understand. And at the end of the service today, I'm going to give you another opportunity to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's call on your life. You're 49% in, but you're just not sure. You say, what will my family say if I do that? What will my coworkers say? What will my neighbors say if I became a Christian? <laughs> if I believed that God is who he is and that he loves me? And wants to save me from an eternity in hell. What happens when I obey God? You're going to get pushback. Opposition is typical. Okay, here's one that's much better. Supernatural is possible. Supernatural is possible. You saying miracles, Mark? Is that what you're getting at? You use fancy words for miracles? I am. I am. <laughs> really? You, you sure? You're saying when I'm obedient to God, a miracle could happen? 
Who thinks Pastor Mark is saying that right now? Every hand should go up. I know a lot of y'all like to raise hands. I get that. But like, I do believe that. If you look in Acts, there's about 40 miracles. Do you know how many of them were performed or, or done, whatever you want to say, by people that weren't apostles, that weren't the, about 39 of them. Now we hear about healings and stuff like that. But like, it's, it's done by, by just church people being obedient. Look at one right here. This one's pretty cool. Acts 5.19. But during the night, I'm telling you, supernatural is possible when you are obedient. During the night, where are they? Jail. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like, full stop. Wait just a minute. Do you think Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, could understate this a little more? An angel just appeared and opened the door, and they just went on their merry way like that didn't even happen? Does anybody else notice that when you read this? I do. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Can we just be honest? If that happened to any of you, you would punch it up a little bit, wouldn't you? <laughs> Can you imagine me coming to your house tonight, Joe, after an angel of the Lord let me out of prison last night? Do you think I'd come in and like, oh, yeah, an angel let me out, so that's why I'm here? No, no. I'd be like, man, the doors like opened, and he, the angel floated in holding a lightsaber, you know, or like whatever it was. Like, I'm punching that up. But Peter and John don't. They don't even act surprised. Why? Because they're not surprised. They knew this was possible. Why would we be surprised if God moved? You ever wonder that, church? Can you imagine? Like, we're going to pray for something here in a moment. I'm expecting a great move of God in this month, this month. And if we get it, do you think I'm going to be like, wow, I can't believe he did it. This is crazy. Listen, God ain't Santa Claus. Where you ask for something on a list and on Christmas morning, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get that thing or not. Oh, Santa came through. No, 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 no. God is the God of the universe. And in Hebrews, it says we're to go like faithfully, boldly to him and ask for him. And in his will, he will do it. So I'm convinced, church, I said it to you last week, God has great things for this church, great things. And when we start to live in those great things, and it's pretty great now, honestly, but when we start to take that to a next level, I'm not going to be like, can you believe it? I'm just flabbergasted. No, not flabbergasted, expectant. But we will respond with worship and prayer. We will respond with worship and prayer. And I'm not saying that for them everything was awesome. These dudes were in jail they were in jail and not like the cushy type that has golf courses. You know, I don't mean that. I'd say it was pretty bad. I'd say it was pretty rough. But yet an angel of the Lord appeared. And you may be only thinking, well, I don't know, man, that angel type stuff. I've never seen that. Yeah, me neither. I hope I do, but I haven't either. But what I have experienced through obedience is supernatural things have happened. And I don't mean floating angels into my room. But I've sat with people who I have, okay, I've sat with people who their marriage, honestly, was a disaster. And I have said things, because I'm not great at it, right? I've said things like, because I want to know how much work we got to do. What percentage would you say restoration is possible? What, what were we thinking? What were we thinking? And I'm hoping they're going to say 80, right? I'm 80% sure that we can restore this marriage. And both of these people looked at me, and you know what they said? Zero percent. I'm like, oh, Great. Great. <laughs> But that couple decided to do a hard thing and be bold and be obedient. And God restored them in the gospel. I've sat with people. I've seen things that aren't floating angels. 
But they are a product of obeying God and being obedient to God and being bold in God and a supernatural thing occurs. They can only be attributed to the God of the universe. So don't be so surprised when the Lord returns obedience with the supernatural. Don't be so surprised. If I want to be obedient to God, and I know that I'm going to get opposition, and I know the supernatural can occur, that seems pretty good to me. So what else can happen? What happens when I obey God? Well, opposition can happen. Supernatural is possible. What will be required, do you think, of me to obey God? Faith. Have you ever had to have great faith to do something? I don't even really like the phrase, we need a little faith. I get we say it in our vernacular, you know. Well, it's going to take a little bit of faith and a whole lot of work. Wrong. Wrong. It's going to take a whole lot of faith. A whole lot of faith. In fact, uh, listen to what the angel said. Remember, the angel floated in, said, go out, go beyond, do what do. But what did he, he gave him something to do. He didn't just say, you're released. He gave them something to do in verse 20. He said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, who thinks that's going to take a little faith? No. And if you do, you don't understand the context of what they're being asked to do. This is going to take great faith, great faith in the one who made them. I'm going to paraphrase this out for you. Here's what the angel said. Go back and do the thing that got you thrown in jail twice already. Go back and do that thing. And, and eventually it'll get one of you killed. Now, he didn't tell them that, but they knew it was coming. I mean, let's be honest. Go back and do the thing in front of the people that have the power to ruin your life. Go back and do the thing that they hate. Who thinks that takes great faith? That takes great faith. I don't care who is floating into your room. You're thinking about that. I was talking about this just with somebody the other day. Moses argued with the burning bush. You think that took great faith? I think he understood the request. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know, God. I see that there's a burning bush here, and that's pretty supernatural. But he argued with it. Go in there, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You got the wrong guy, (laughs) right? Sorry, bush. Maybe your eyes are burning, but you missed it, right? Nope. When God prompts you to do something, it is going to take faith. Faith. You don't have faith, the opposition will knock you right down. Even in the face of supernatural, you will need faith. Now, some of you, right? Some of you right now, you're saying, yeah, but you know what? I'm going to be bold when the moment happens. I get that. Or you say, I'll be obedient when asked. I get that. But can I just tell you, decide now. Decide now how you will react when given that opportunity. Decide right now how you will react. Will I be obedient? Will I be bold? Decide now. In fact, I'm going to give us a couple things right here in the middle of the sermon to think about and to be obedient about. I guarantee you, I'm not asking you to be obedient to me. I'm not asking you to do that. But we have these things called community groups, and I am convinced, especially after the last two or three years of where we're all locked down and locked in and locked up and all these other locked, like, like I'm convinced that we need community. We need time together more than ever, more than ever. And I love our Sunday morning. I do. But I think as equally important is our time together outside of this time. I think they're equally important. And so I'm going to ask, we have a tent outside, and I think it's in the rain. So there's a level 
of faith and obedience in this? <laughs> you got to get wet for a little bit. Wait to hear the next thing I'm going to ask you to do. Some of you today need to, you, you need to get some information at least about a community group that's meeting in your area. We've got a lot of community groups. A lot. So I guarantee we have one within five, six miles of your house. Within reason, guys. I guarantee it. I encourage you, find out, get info, meet people, get connected, because you need more than this. You need more than this to really be in community with other believers. In a few weeks, October, we're going to start an eight-week series, October, November, called Space. That's right, Space. We're going we're to learn, we're going to teach together, we're going to spend time together learning how to make space in our life. Does anybody think they're busy right now? Absolutely do. Could, could you use a little space, a little margin in your life? You absolutely could. I could, you could, we all could. So we're going to spend eight weeks talking about how to do that. And I would encourage you, give Community Group eight weeks. Give it eight weeks. Go spend time with some other people and talk about the Bible and talk about your life and get into a group for eight weeks weeks and at the end of that eight weeks here's what i want you to do i want you to pray to jesus say holy spirit say father god am i better off solo or was i better in a community and if god tells you you don't need community that you're the sole person in the history of the world that doesn't need to be in a community group we just happen to have that person that goes to our church then i will never mention it to you again (laughs) if you're the one person that the bible doesn't apply to I'm glad we found you. I'm glad you're here. I can't wait to meet you. Diamond in the rough. But I got a feeling he isn't going to say that. So even now, ask God, should I do that or not? Be bold. And if he says yes, obey. You ready for the second thing? You're going to understand what I mean now when I said it's raining. Some of you need to be baptized in this church. See the rain connection? Thank you. You say, Pastor Mark, I have a great reason why I've never been baptized. No, you don't. No, you don't. I have a great reason. Well, some of you say, I need to hear more. I need to hear more. Or maybe you just don't want to be dunked in the water. I don't know what your reason is. But you need to be baptized. Every author of the gospel Every single author of the gospel talked about Jesus' baptism. We know the one in Matthew 3. It said, Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. He said, I need to be baptized by you. John the Baptist didn't like that at first. They had a little argument over it. He said, I need to be baptized by you. And he did get baptized by him. In fact, Jesus' baptism, it launched It started the launch sequence of his entire ministry, his baptism. And some of us, I'm not trying to guilt you into this because that would be terrible of me, quite honestly. I'm trying to show you that Jesus got baptized and we have folks that just need to be baptized. You say, well, why are you bringing that in now? Why bring that up? Why make that a component of this make me obedient sermons? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Why do I have to get dunked in water? I am so glad that you're thinking of that question because I have a pre-written out answer. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? I mean, there's got to be more to this Jesus baptism. You know, I don't think one day they thought, hey, guys, let's add a kind of weird element to this whole thing. 
This is going great. Let's dunk people in water. Like, why, why would they do that? You ever wonder about that? His message, John the Baptist, not the same John in prison. He was already dead by now. His message was simple. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is where? At hand. Look at your hands. That's how close, right? And that was effective. That was an effective ministry. And people would come to him, and they would repent, and they would believe in God. And then guess what they did? They baptized them. Why? Why'd they do it like that? Why'd they do it in water? That seems a little strange. I agree. I completely agree. Here's why. This was a Jewish culture that John the Baptist was, was preaching to. And in the Jewish culture, they were looking always for a deliverer. They were looking for a deliverer. We are too, but they really were because they had lived all through that Moses and, and the kings and all through the Old Testament. They were looking for a deliverer. And they would go in cycles of, we got one, we don't got one. We got one, we don't got one. And at this point in Matthew, the, the first book of the New Testament, God had not given any prophecy for 400 years. So this is one of the, we ain't got one times. But now they're seeing that someone is coming. Now they're seeing someone is different. That isn't like Noah. That's not like Moses. That's not like David or Solomon or Saul or any of those guys. This guy is real who is coming. And so a lot of them wanted to convert because they wanted to be a part of a winning team. You ever do that? You want to be a part of a winning team? Or some, some team you've never followed in your life wins a championship and all of a sudden you're a Golden State Warriors fan, right? You remember that? Thank you. I saw a hand. So how did they do it? How were they converting into Judaism? Because they thought a king was coming. They were right. How were they converting into Judaism? This is important, believe it or not. Here's what they did. Three things. They offered up a sacrifice. Uh-huh. You, you checking this? They offered up a sacrifice. That'll help. Number two, men underwent circumcision. This helped with a lot of impulse joining of the Jewish culture, right? They had to think that through a little bit. And if you don't know what circumcision is, ask your dad, okay? And third, guess what else they did? They got baptized very differently than how we get baptized. In this culture, they would have taken all their clothes off, gone into the water, and dipped completely in. We don't do that part, okay? <laughs> and when they came out, they were completely new, fully recognized into that culture. And so John the Baptist sees this and he says, we need a baptism like that, but of repentance, that when people are saved, when people become believers, they need to identify with their new king. They need to identify with God. And so people were, the kingdom is near, the kingdom is at hand, and they were coming in flocks. And he was meeting them and they were obeying the call on their life and he was taking them down, in this case, the River Jordan and dunking them underwater and they came up. Now you may be asking, why did Jesus need to do that? Now I feel like he was probably pretty right with God. Would he really need that? Well, you're right, he was. But Jesus' baptism was so amazing. In fact, he got in a little fight with John about it. He went down and says, I've come to be baptized. And John's like, I can't baptize you. You're the king. And Jesus says in Matthew 3, he says, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. You see, Jesus' baptism was a baptism of humility. He was humbling himself to be baptized. And the second thing, and why I bring it in here, you're going to have a, a ding, ding, ding moment here, is Jesus' baptism was a baptism of obedience. Can you imagine Jesus, the king, the perfect man, I will go down and have you baptize me. 
Jesus does it because God requires it. He lived a life of complete and total obedience to God. I can't say that. You can't say that. Nobody can say that but Jesus. Obedience to God is all God ever asks for. And so when you're praying and you're saying, man, I don't know. I don't know why I never got baptized. This didn't. Maybe it's the scheduling. I don't know. I need to be baptized. I want to be as much like Jesus as I possibly can. And some of you would say, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but have never been baptized. Some of you would maybe say, hey, I get it, man. I want to humble myself. I want to get into that water. Some of you will say, I will commit myself to following Jesus. And some of you will say, I want to identify with the family of God. I want to show that my life, the life I lived, I am dead, but I was raised. That's the picture of baptism. And when you get baptized, that is what you're showing people. That I identify with this group. These are my people. So, here's my ask. In a few weeks, we're going to have a, an evening celebrate service. We're going to celebrate everything Keystone's been doing for the last year. Just have fun outside. And we're going to baptize people. We're going to baptize people out in the parking lot. It's not going to rain. It's going to be beautiful. I hope. And if you want to be baptized, we need to know. We're going to set it up, but I think there's probably 30, 40 people in our church that need to be baptized. That's why I had Laura come up to play for us, because we're just going to ask you right now to commit. I got some of these cards made. Nicole did a great job. She did exactly what I wanted, because I need to be able to read it. It says, I want to be baptized. (laughs) There's some. I even have pens. We're going to close our eyes and pray. Here's some over here. If you need a pen, let's uh, be there with it. And while we're praying, some of you, not all of you, but some of you, you can take the pen. That's yours to keep. You need to come up and grab a card and put your name on it, put your phone number on it, put your email on it. And at the end of the service, you need to drop it in the bucket so we can contact you and get you scheduled to be baptized. Do you understand what I'm asking you to do right now? So we're going to close our eyes and I'm going to pray for us. I'm not done preaching, by the way. This is a side note. But I'm going to close our eyes. We're going to close our eyes and we're going to pray. And here's what we're going to pray. God, do I need to be baptized? You ask him. God, do I need to be humble like Jesus and be baptized? God, do I need to be obedient like Jesus and be baptized? And if there's even a whiff of yes... You have an opportunity in this moment to be immediately obedient. And come up here in front of everybody. They're going to see you. You know, the old, everybody's got their eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. Who cares? Who cares? You can come up and grab a card right now if you want. As we're praying, seeking the Lord. God, do I need to be baptized? Because if you do, you can fill this card out. I'd love for you to get baptized on September 25th at night. But it doesn't have to be that night. It can be any time. Thank you. We've already got a couple people. See? Isn't that cool? Anybody else? If you want to fill that out, you can 
drop it in the offering bucket at the end of the service today and I'll get it. It's going to go right to me. Print clearly. Name. Phone. Email. God can do a lot with an obedient church. God can do a lot. As we're continuing to pray. That's awesome. Grab that. The rest of the time I'm talking, you feel free to walk on up here and grab one. As you pray, and I'm going to preach the rest of this message. Because in Acts 5.21, it says, when they heard this, they entered the temple and they began to preach. They were obedient. Immediately. The high priest came and those who were with him and they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel and they, they sent to the prison to have them brought. And it says, but when the officers came, they did not find them in prison. So they came and they said, we found the prison securely locked, the guards standing in the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. They were looking for people that weren't there. The captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words and they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching. <laughs> Amazing. And the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Well, that's a change, isn't it? When they brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you to teach in this, uh, to not teach his name. And yet here you are teaching, you're doing it. If you need a verse to sum up everything today, here it is. Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. When you are obedient, you will most likely meet opposition. You could unlock a miracle, and it will require faith. Father God, I know there's folks here right now. They don't want to miss it. They don't want to miss it. They're they're 49% sure that you are putting a hold on their life. You are calling them, and you are saying, come home. They need to give their life right now to you, Jesus. They need to give their life right now to you, Jesus. And in this moment, you have promised you will save them from their sin. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from ourself. Saved from the penalty of sin. Saved from an eternity in hell. God promises that. God has never broken a promise. He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You may get opposition, but God wants to do the supernatural with you right now. Right now in this moment. God is saying, step out in faith and I'll show you a life like you couldn't believe. And if that is you and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus in this moment, I want to go from 49% sure to 100% sure that Jesus is real, then here's what you do. You pray with me right now. You say, dear Jesus, you can speak directly to him. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. 
That's the admit. I know it. But I believe that you came in humility for me. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. You are my God, and I choose to follow you from this day forward. If you prayed that, man, we would love to know. You come find me after the service or find anybody with a name tag, and they'd love to hear your story. We'd love to know. Let's worship. Pray for obedience today. Amen.